Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, from the Message Translation. He told his next story to some who were complacently pleased with themselves over their moral performance and looked down their noses at the common people. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax man. The Pharisee posed and prayed like this, O God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, crooks, adulterers, or, heaven forbid, like this tax man. I fast twice a week and tithe on all my income. Meanwhile, the tax man, slumped in the shadows, his face in his hands, not daring to look up, said, God, give mercy, forgive me, a sinner. Jesus commented, This tax man, not the other, went home made right with God. If you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. But if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. One of the things that I look forward to in coming to church on Sunday morning is uh, having coffee together and Panera goodies together and having conversation together. I'm grateful for, for Brian Taylor, who is busy even now putting that together. And Brian, I, I, I sense you may be listening because it's all broadcast through the kitchen system. So thank you, Brian, on behalf of our hungry congregation. Uh, coffee with other Christians. It is almost sacramental, is it not? I, I saw a meme this week on a friend of mine's Facebook page, and it had two pictures. It had a picture of a cup of coffee and a picture of Martin Luther. And it said, coffee arrived in Europe in 1515. Martin Luther sparked the Reformation in 1517. And underneath the caption said, Beware of a caffeinated pastor. (laughs) I don't know if there's a direct correlation there, but I trust there is. I must tell you, it has been delightful for me and very meaningful for me to um, be invited out for coffee with church members. No agenda other than whatever you want to talk about. And we've met at the diner. We've met at Drip. We've met at Starbucks, and we've met at Dunkin' Donuts, and I have not met a coffee that I did not like. It is delightful to just have a cup of coffee with one another when we're not rushing around here doing ministry, but to just be present. And so that invitation still stands. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee with me, I would welcome that. Send me an email, give me a call. Beware of a caffeinated pastor. This Sunday is as close to the Reformation Day as as we get, and so today in many churches around the world it's Reformation Sunday, which remembers the Reformation, which started on the 31st of October, 1517, when Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the wall of the Wittenberg Chapel and forever changed the world, religious people or not. Whether they know it or not, the world changed in that process. Um, Steve Davis reminded me this morning that he read something in Richard Rohr's reflection that 
I think it's a church historian that says every 500 years, the church has a grand rummage sale. And we decide what we're going to keep and what we're going to pitch. What we're going to keep and what we're going to give away. What we're going to keep and what we're going to bring to the United Methodist Church for their rummage sale. And 500 years ago, and 1,000 years ago, and 1,500 years ago, a process like that happened. And 500 years after the Reformation, I sense we are now in a grand and cosmic rummage sale in the church, deciding what we keep, what still has meaning for us, and what we let go of that no longer serves our purpose. Martin Luther broke the church law. The law was very clear, and he broke it for the sake of the gospel, because of his love of the people. He loved the people so much, he said, I am willing to break the law, go against the Roman Catholic Church, so that the Bible can be translated into everyone's language, so that it's not just for the narrow 1% of the people back then who spoke Latin, but it was the good news for all people. John Wesley, our founder, broke church law, which said worship must happen in a beautiful sanctuary like this. He said, no, there are people out there who can't afford to take off from work. They're working in the mines on Sunday and seven days a week, and so I'm going to go out to where the people are to preach good news to them, that God loves them whether they're going to church or not. He was breaking church law by doing that. Out of both of these reform movements, it involved breaking church law before the Spirit could do something new in the life of the church. Augustine in the 5th century, which I think the confirmands are going to be learning about today, Ron sent me a text that Augustine said, the church is always called to reform in every generation. Reform, reform. I think in the Reformation there was a term called Semper Reforma, always reforming, always reforming. That is the landscape of being Christian. And so it gives me great delight to, to wear my Luther socks today. So Luther, uh, Rob, you want to get a good close-up on this? Luther broke the law and he said, Hier stehe ich, ich kann nicht anders. Here I stand. I can do no other. And so these are Luther Socken. My, my friends Michael and Rebecca brought these back for me from East Germany, former East Germany. And on the sock it says, Hier stehe ich, ich kann nicht anders. They don't fit, they don't feel real comfortable, but I just love the message. Jesus is always telling parables that are calling religious people, good and faithful religious people, to rethink their faithfulness, to rethink the way they are religious. Because Jesus knew that religious people often get in a funk and they get stuck and they can't see their own behavior clearly. And so Jesus told this parable about a, a faithful man, a Pharisee, 
and a tax collector. The Pharisee is described as a good and faithful man. He fasted twice a week. He tithed 10% of his income to the temple, to God. That is good and faithful, even righteous and holy. Tithing is, is an ancient tradition that some of us still practice. And there are corporate benefits and personal benefits to doing this. To tithe 10% of our income to this church or any church or any religious organization, the hope is that that money can be used to inculcate values that we share, that we pass on to the next generation. We invest our 10% of our hard-earned money into this church and other churches to say we want the next generation, in this case, to be followers of Jesus. We want this generation to grow up with the values, the Methodist values that God loves all people, and we're called to make a difference in the world and bring that love out to the people through acts of social justice, through acts of compassion, through acts of mercy for all people. Do you see the corporate benefit? The congregation benefits from ongoing nurture in the Christian faith. The greater population, the greater community benefits by a vision that says, we care for people outside of the church and we want to invite them to partner with us in doing good in the world, regardless of what their faith background is. And if they want to come here for whatever reason, we have an open door. We have a statement of welcome that explicitly welcomes all people. And the benefit to the greater society when faithful people tithe is they know they're loved. Now the risk is, and Jesus points this out in this parable, that the righteous man, the Pharisee, gets lost in judgmentalism. And because of his judgmentalism and self-righteousness, the flow of love to the outer community, the greater community, is hindered. And he's stuck in his mindset of judgment, and he says, thank God I'm not like thieves and tax collectors and adulterers and, and that guy over there, that tax collector. He's working for the evil empire. He's not one of us. He's compromised his soul, and thank God I'm not like him. Meanwhile, Jesus tells the story about the tax collector who is also praying in the temple and says, God, forgive me. I'm a miserable sinner. And Jesus says, the exalted shall be made low, the lowly shall be lifted up. The tax collector is the guy who gets it. The tax collector is praying the right prayer and the prayer for all of us when we're honest to pray. God, I, I have made so many mistakes. God, I have blown it again and again. And I'm a sinner and you love me in spite of my 
sins. Jesus is lifting that guy up and saying, he is the one that gets it. So I encourage us to, to keep tithing to this church and other ministries because that keeps us centered on what we value, where our treasure is. It helps us to prioritize God in our lives and it helps put us in the flow of being generous. You know, God has created us generous people. But sometimes we get lost in our fears that say there's not enough or there won't be enough. And we kind of circle our fiscal wagons individually and corporately and we say we're not going to be generous. God is a generous God. God has given us everything, everything, and longs for us to be generous as well. Tithing may keep us in that generous flow of God's generosity. It's nice to be right, but Jesus never told us that that was important. He told us to be loving. Yesterday at annual conference, and you'll hear more about this from one of our lay delegates, Barbara Babbitt, as we so often do when we get together for annual conference, we argue with one another using Robert's rules of order to decide who's right. And we dedicate a lot of time and energy to that. But I wish we could dedicate an equal amount of time to a fierce debate over what puts us in the flow of generosity, what puts us in the flow of love, what puts us in the knowledge and presence of the Christ more frequently, more easily, because that is what really might bear fruit. We govern ourselves through these traditions and rules and we decide who has the majority and who has the minority and how we will govern ourselves. And that's important. But the risk is the risk is that people on one side of an argument say, like the Pharisee, thank God I'm not like those Methodists. And people on the other side may be saying, thank God I'm not like those Methodists. Do you see how easily we could fall into that trap of boxing people in and judging one another and becoming like the Pharisee? I close with this, a reflection from unfolding light. Wow, what a hypocrite. What an egotistical, arrogant, judgmental person. God, I thank you that I am not like him. Oh, wait. Crap. 
God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I confess to you all the people I want to be better than, but I am not. It is your goodness, not mine, that I live by. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Would you repeat after me? God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Whether we are the Pharisee or the tax collector, God loves us. Whether we have our life together or our life is falling apart, God loves us and is with us in the mess and in the beauty of our lives. Amen.